The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix Podcast. Tune in today. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Hi, I'm Brian Crump, host of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact, a new RNZ podcast in which we take some of science fiction's strangest ideas and explore if they could really happen. Maybe they already have. You can find Sci-Fi Sci-Fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically anywhere you get your podcasts from. Kia ora, Jane here, all by myself. Hey, Alex and Duncan. Sunning themselves on the beach, I'm sure. Actually, I am too. This is pre-recorded. Let's be real. Uh, I'm here to tell you that we are on a break, but that doesn't mean that your ears have to be empty. We are doing some re-ups of our favourite episodes of The Real Pod from 2021, and this one is the lovely Cassie Roma, a secret Real Pod listener, but also, possibly more importantly, an entrepreneur and a star judge on The Apprentice Aotearoa, one of our favourite reality series uh, from 2021. Now, she joined us in the studio with some sensational behind-the-scenes scoops from the season's greatest moments. Think Mally the Mallard, Josie the busy mum, surgical nurse with a very active lifestyle and so on. Uh, and also, she went through the cinematography of Mike Perrault's iconic You're Fired point. We loved this episode. Cassie was a real treat. So much energy. So we hope you enjoy it. It's disgusting. I'm, I'm vegan, disgusting. so... Oh, yeah. Are you? <laughs> I mean, that's a moot point, Cassie. That is a total moot point. Welcome along to a very special pop-up edition of The Real Pod. We have a very special guest in the studio with us today. My name's Jane Yee, joined as always by Alex Casey and Duncan Greve, but also by Cassie Roma, businesswoman extraordinaire. And what, what are, are you, a judge? What's the official term? A mentor? I try not to judge anybody, really. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. <laughs> but I do. <laughs> uh, I think the official title is advisor, advisor to the CEO. Advisor to the CEO on The Apprentice Aotearoa. We are... Fizzing to have you in the studio today. This is my favorite podcast. What? Is it really? I share it with everybody. I shared it with my mom last week. Mom. She loves you guys. Oh my she goodness. She liked it. Oh she does. I hate thinking that people actually listen. It makes me worry about what I say. It's despicable. Why do you like this? I don't know. Is it just because we're talking about you? <laughs> no, I usually really hate that. No. That's the, usually the things I do not subscribe to. We love the show. We I think are... I love your passion for the show. Your Mally episode just got me right in the heart. Oh, did oh. you hear about? Did you hear about Alex spotting um, some Mallard ducks I, in a picture? I did. We need to show you. Have you seen the picture? I haven't seen the photo. I need. You to got see it on it. your phone. Yes, you guys talk amongst yourselves. I think and I'll um, the I actually had a vision for this that I haven't executed, where I was going to do like a sketch of what I thought I saw, and then I was going to show you both. <laughs> and just, just a, a raw shark. A bit of a raw shark moment. What do you um, see? But yeah, the show's already given us so many incredible. Happy memories between us, but also shared with, you know, uh, Stephen, uh, Michaels, our favourite people. Our favourite people. The thing that I want to know, Cassie, is when 
they pitched it to you, did you know that you were making a comedy? <laughs> 110%. I mean, come on, it's New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> That's our slogan. I know, New Zealand, it's a comedy. <laughs> um, you know, once... I had a, an idea of who was going to be on the show, like the contestants. And you could see they were actually nice people, but quirky, quirky mm. af. Oh, <laughs> this is going to be fun. And I was never going to take myself too seriously, even though the resting boardroom face does not tell that tale. There's a bit in the last episode when the contestants walk in and you just look like you hate them. You look like you hate them. We had a house full of people watching last night and they're like, what did you smell? <laughs> Do you know what, though? I think that's all part of it. It's like leaning into the persona of being, you know, full on and serious in the boardroom. Yeah. That's part of the joy and the theatrics of it all, you know? Well, we had we were with them, like, all the time. And every 45-minute episode was, like, three days' worth of shooting. So there was a lot of time to get frustrated. I mean, to be happy, too. But by the time we made it to that boardroom, it was like, we actually need to impart some wisdom with you folks before you walk away. <laughs> Because this is either going to just steamroll downhill or you're going to grow. So do, do you feel like they, they are growing and listening? Or, or is because it feels like with, there's some kind of mix between people who are there because they want to be on the show. And just that your normal, I would quite like to increase my Instagram following by a factor of X. And, and is there a sort of a difference between how your advice is received amongst those two different constituencies? A lot of it had to do with the age of the contestants. The older contestants were kind of, I mean, they were all there really to, to help bring their personal brands up. But not all of them listened, I think, for the most part. Uh, so JT and I had, we called it our ears in, so we could hear when they were mic'd, whether we were 100 meters away or we were two feet from them. And so they learned very quickly that if they needed to talk a little shiz in the background, we could hear it all. So when it became the all listening, all seeing, they started to take a lot more on board. That wow. is insane. Wasn't just Amazing. the notebooks. Yeah. Okay. Can we, I mean, well, before we get onto the notebooks, because I don't want to talk at length about the notebooks, um, <laughs> let's just quickly have a look at this. Look at it briefly and then look away and tell me what you saw. You're not looking away. <laughs> I, it, you could see ducks. You could see ducks. If you were Alex That's Casey. an official quote. You could see ducks. <laughs> this is so validating for you. I have to assume, so I've got it like maybe half size on my computer screen. I have to assume that you saw it full, you know, like full what size. kind of it size was are we talking here? It was here? very large. <laughs> Giant on the because wall. It was dim lighting. The though. bigger you get, the more obvious that they are human beings sitting. In Did you glance? Mm. Was it like a... I glanced, I took a photo, barely looking to send to Jane, because I was so excited to be in Hamilton after The Apprentice, to just be in Mallard, Mallard territory. I mean, that episode did more for Hamilton than any of those campaigns were ever going to do. If you actually search Mally the Mallard on the social medias, it goes crazy. <laughs> really? There are more Mally the Mallard what? hashtags than The Apprentice Aotearoa hashtags. So, so Hamilton has actually claimed this? Yes. I mean, they've already got, like, Love the Tron as a kind of crowdsourced uh, slogan. It feels like it kind of works for Sadi to embrace an ironic and kind of deeply inappropriate mascot and <laughs> just be like, well, actually, let's just do it. Hashtag, hashtag Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly died, like, yeah, six feet under pushing the double hair. How often are you laughing on this show constantly <laughs> <laughs> like when you're not in like in a room. mean judgy way yeah. but in the like guys just. so my grandmother used to say things like people talk to hear their heads rattle or just you know slow down you know slow down slow down everybody was going so full tilt that you're just like stop and think about what normal humans would do in this moment <laughs> so you can hear everyone 
at all times. You can hear their hearts race when their hearts race. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's like they're very anxious and stressed right now. Turn the key. (laughs) (laughs) And Michael trying to get rid of that granola in those last 10 seconds. $2. Oh, that was amazing. Reverse auction. One thing which I'm quite curious about is like, when I'm watching it, the thing that like just shocked me so hard is that more than once when they're pitching a product to a supplier, they don't know what the cost price is, (laughs) which seems like you'd you'd want to know that. Feels like the first thing you'd come up with. Yeah. (laughs) So two things. One, that that Countdown managed to order so many of something they didn't know the cost price of. But two, is that the peak for you in terms of just like just shocking kind of naivety or have there been some others that maybe are yet to come? There's more to come. There's a, I'm not going to give you too much away, but that's one of those things about learning, too, is how many times do you say introduce yourself to the person across the table and also, like, don't lie, but we're going to start talking about things like plausible truths when, when you're pitching. It's like go in there and be so confident in, like, your stuff that you're like, ah, five bucks. So what's what's the actual price? $1.50. Great. We'll buy all of those. Not just, don't know. Yeah, totally. You can like patch over, but nothing is is bold. What about a little lady named Josie? She's just got out of surgery. (laughs) She's got two kids. Look, they cut some of Josie too. She had two kids just out of surgery, been to the gym, was like getting all the housework done. Her car needed to go to the shop. She needed to take it there. Her mom wasn't well. She was she was earning in the high echelon. And she needed a two-in-one. <laughs> I mean, if anyone needs to save time, it's Josie. It's Josie. So again, I mean, I wanted—I challenged you on that in mm. a previous podcast mm. uh, as to saying that Josie wasn't believable, and I wish I hadn't. Now that we're in the same room, uh, but now that I hear, now that I hear the extra bits that we weren't privy to, that you were privy to, yeah, I understand. And Josie mm. just had this backstory where I was going. She is not Josie. She is Superwoman. I feel like Josie is going to be a New Zealander of the Year candidate next year. <laughs> the biopic is coming. Yeah. Josie being a nurse and earning in the high echelon of what you can earn in this country, immediately mm. unbelievable. <laughs> you know? That's where they lost me. <laughs> the brand story. I love a brand story. We've been talking a lot about brand stories on The Real Pod now, trying to bring them into our, um, our world. If you were to write a brand story for The Real Pod, what would it be? She just burst into laughter. (laughs) You asked if I laughed. (laughs) I think I would have to take a little bit of time to write that brand story. So that's the thing is a lot of the time, too, when folks are pitching on this show and they give me a brand story, it's not a story. You need a beginning, a middle, end. You need some kind of, like, climax that gets you. Then you're like, what's going on? Where's the tension? Josie's not a brand story. What about mental health? Just the very act of this robe existing, <laughs> mental health. You're going to really, I'm really going to be in trouble now. Um, that was another one where I think their hearts were in the right place, especially Stephen, right? He just brings in like this, this depth and this true care for, for humans and the planet. Care, and all, for sure. And care. dogs. And dogs. Yeah. We know he had a, has a science degree. MPA. MPA. I love you. Stephen, um, but you know, it's one. Yeah, it's one of those things where you just go, hmm, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Something to think about. So, um, your your co advisor Justin, first few episodes he felt quite distant and almost. I mean, you were quite quite sort of yin yang in, in some respects, but he's 
sort of starting to almost enjoy the the role a bit like what, what's what's your relationship with him like because it feels like you'd need each other just to kind of swap oh my god you won't believe kind of situations it's funny jt and i met 15 minutes before we went to the casting for this um to do our our first kind of screen test neither of us have ever done anything in front of the camera and i asked him the dumbest question ever like he rolls up he's like six foot three he's a big handsome man and i was like hey what's your sense of humor like <laughs> Of all the things in the world, like I know how intelligent this man is and all the things he's done in the world and how good he is. He gives us time to like Starship Hospital and like he's a dad. What is your sense of humor like? And he just deadpans me with that JT look. It's like, well, well, pretty funny. And from that point on, it was like, okay, we're going to be besties. Our birthdays are like a day apart. And so we really, we really hit it off. And if I hadn't had a JT, I think I might have had a, a, a rough ride. But instead, I had like a beautiful, beautiful time because, man, is that man funny. And he's going to come into that. How much time did you spend with Mike? Mike Barrow. Mm-hmm. And real estate. And motorbikes. <laughs> and aeroplanes. <laughs> I spent quite a bit of time, actually, with Mike. So JT and I were there every single day. So we spent 16 hours a day together for basically 43 days straight. Wow. So Whoa. it was intense. It was like, I feel like we have this trauma bond. <laughs> and like a beautiful trauma, though. Like pink, beautiful trauma. It's like that song. Um, <laughs> but Mike, uh, because he was the CEO and was doing work outside of this, he was there basically every third day for the, uh, the boardroom days. And then every once in a while, he would also introduce the task. Mike was cool. He was a lot of fun, like mm-hmm. in the green room and stuff. It took him a while to to kind of open up and to chill out. And then once he was relaxed, he was just fun. The points. Yes. Can you talk us through the I can talk you through the points because I know you've had questions. So first things first, it's a new point every week. <gasps> wow. Oh, really? Can we get a blah, 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 blah. Real plot exclusive. <laughs> so oh, it's it, going to be like Jordan Major. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, every week that's a new point. And the first week we were going like, okay, do we bring it over the top point? Is it like an arc, a rainbow arc? It was originally. I think the first one was over the top, wasn't it? And then do you you pivot? Do you use your elbow and just pivot down? So we looked at that. And then the point kind of came because of the camera angles. And, again, oh, Mike has this pen, and it looks like a sword. And at first he wanted to use the pen. (laughs) And it was just like the contestants were terrified. So they're like, put the pen down just... (laughs) <laughs> and that's just how he was comfortable doing that. 30 times like that, and it's just like he got it down. Okay, next question. The take of the point, is that the actual point that he does when he's firing them? Sometimes it is. Or is it ah. like a noddy version of a point? The plastic hand. <laughs> I have a plastic hand theory. <laughs> Mike it's, has to go home. That's it. It just sneaks right on in the, in the frame. And he's not saying you're fired every time, is he? He does, yeah. Yeah, I want to see those rushes, unedited, <laughs> just the your fired mega mix. I want to talk about the notepads, please. <laughs> <laughs> You're often seen in back of shot, just yes. taking notes. Are you writing notes? Are you writing yourself to-do lists, shopping lists, doodling, a little bit of everything? What's going on there? I wish you would have just stopped with, are you writing notes? <laughs> <laughs> and my answer would have been yes. Um, we were writing notes. In fact, we we filled, both of us, JT and I filled two full notebooks. And in the beginning, it was like, because we had to, Mike wasn't there. So we actually had to do our due diligence and go, this is what happened. These are the people. This is how it played. And then we had to download to Mike on the boardroom days. And then it turned into, 
I was looking back through it the other day because JT and I were like, what if we just NFT these? <laughs> we can NFT our notebooks. This is fantastic. And I was going back and reading through and I'm like, oh, song lyrics. I'm like, oh, grocery lists, drew a little doodle, wrote a note to my brother. <laughs> um, we do have a real pod museum for reality TV artifacts. If you ever feel like you want to donate a page or two... I know there's this NFT booming kind of industry, but what's that really? I think a museum that lives on top of a cupboard in Morningside is much more valuable. That's pretty cool. That's forever. (laughs) Cupboard. We've said some things about the contestants that have sort of made fun, because that has been fun watching them. There have been some very questionable decisions and conversations and so on. However, the task that they have to do in a really short amount of time, and I think of this lemon popcorn that's sitting in front of us, to come up with like a flavour and then kind of develop that and get the packaging sorted and do a lovely little rap jingle, then pitch that, all of that stuff within a couple of days with, at that point, virtual strangers. Yep. Like, that's hectic. Well, I mean, I've been doing brand and marketing and all of this kind of, like, content storytelling and strategy for 20 years. And I've been teased quite a bit, actually, during the show about people going, oh, Cassie and Justin are just so excited about this kind of mediocre performance. You know what? I've sat around tables with people who get paid a lot of money for a long time who still couldn't come up with that in like months. And some of these young folks, like you said, they're split off into two different teams. The brand team and like the product team, they don't talk a lot. So communication is super key. And then they they actually come up with a viable product. By the next day, Kia, po- this- Kia corn is viable. This, this is not viable. This is a viable product. <laughs> it is a, pop. The, really <laughs> emphasizing the minimum I mean, on the viable, viable product. It's there. premium. It's, pre- right. it's not viable, but it is premium. It's an MVP. <laughs> the minimum. Viable. Is this in the real world? This packaging, which you would have seen on the show if you watched the show, it is not obviously like actual packaging. It doesn't have nutritional information, barcodes, anything like that on it. Is this the kind of thing that people actually pitch with, like sample packaging like this? I would imagine folks, when they're really pitching have the opportunity to get more information. Right. So the contestants are also given a very small amount of information to work with. Yeah. I would imagine real people in the real world would have real numbers and (laughs) real nutritional information um, and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, when we look proud in the boardroom and when we give like really um, well thought out and kind feedback, it's because they really have worked their butts off Mm. to get something done. Like even the robes. To get a robe made like in a day... That's pretty amazing. Especially on that tiny. (laughs) Almost impossible. The robe under the robe under the robe. (laughs) My wife kept saying, can you bring that one home? And I was like, wow. (laughs) We have to pitch some stuff. We do. I've got one more question, then we'll pitch some stuff. I want to know whether, so you give uh, Mike Pirro the advice. Like to what extent is, I mean, this is like a reality TV question as old as time, but like I felt like in, Episode one, Michael the auctioneer was both obviously the person who should have been sent home. I think it's essentially a moot point that it was him. <laughs> and also, he was such good talent that that was impossible. Like, To what extent do either you or the, the production as a whole kind of weigh the fact that you just he must go home? He's definitely the worst with, he's so good, I want to watch him forever. Really, for the most part, the production team, the director and everybody relied on JT and I. 
right. for the most part, uh, like 95% of the time. The other 5% was obviously things we hadn't seen because the contestants go away and, and do things that we don't see a little bit of the time. But for the most part, they trusted us, which is why they actually brought real business people on, I guess, to be a part of a reality TV show was they wanted to understand how we could help them with that. And also we shoot for three days for a 45-minute episode. So when you think like Michael should have gone home, I'm like, ah, Ish was the one who needed to go. I am still shocked every time I learn how much reality is actually in reality yeah, TV. Yeah. Like we've been so <laughs> conditioned to think that it's all staged and all made up. That like that's like a bombshell to me. That you don't have the producers <laughs> yeah. going, sorry, but you gotta keep Michael even no. though you want to send him home. No, I was not told to say a single well, I was told to say one thing once and it was hilarious and it was the best line, but I could not say that on TV, so I didn't. <laughs> it was a little bit naughty. Um I mean this is not TV, is, so um, feel free to deliver the line. Uh when when the when the season finishes, I'll let you have okay. that line. Okay. But for the the rest of that, everything that was said was was real. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there was some script in like, we need to be able to say the name of the place where you're going for your high tea mm-hmm. kind uh-huh. of thing. Other than that, it was, let's have an actual conversation and then see where it goes. That's why it's so good. That actually so, makes the boardroom so much more terrifying when you think about it. Totally. And there's no, you can't see the cameras in the boardroom. What? So my, yeah. So my stink face, like they're double-sided um, mirrors and you forget there are cameras so you actually get to know the people and so when I'm talking to Michael and I have my hand up and I'm going Gabe be quiet because you are just saying a lot and meaning nothing like we're in that moment together wow. yeah is it a um, set yeah yeah so it's not a real the boardroom, boardroom the boardroom, boardroom is and it's not in the PwC building we did go there <laughs> And Mike doesn't arrive by chopper every time. Every day. Every day. He, it's really annoying for the soundies. Whoa, whoa, he does. Yeah, every day. Holy. Are you being serious? Are you, no, it's not. <laughs> oh. It's a Bentley. Theatre of the mind. Hi, I'm Brian Crump, host of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact, a new RNZ podcast in which we take some of science fiction's strangest ideas and explore if they could really happen. With the help of scientists from New Zealand's McDiamond Institute, we'll look at all your favourite science fiction characters, from Wolverine to Rumpelstiltskin, Doctor Who to Luke Skywalker. You can find Sci-Fi Sci-Fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically anywhere you get your podcasts from. When you choose to invest, your money has power. Avoiding companies that finance weapons production or ignore climate change is important. But impact investing goes beyond just avoiding harmful behaviours. It's an opportunity to invest in companies that are actually improving the world. Invest in a better future with the Harbour Sustainable Impact Fund. Grow your wealth and make a positive impact on the world. This is not personalised advice, a disclaimer, and the product disclosure statement for Harbour Investment Funds, issued by Harbour Asset Management, is available at harbourasset.co.nz. All right, let's pitch. Okay, let's pitch. Okay, so we're going to pitch some probably terrible ideas, but potentially not, potentially amazing ideas um, to you. Who wants to start? I can start. Okay. Okay. I don't even have any notes, so here we go. Okay. (laughs) Now, this is a story <laughs> all about how your life is about to get turned upside down because I've come up with a 90s-themed gym. You're Josie. <laughs> <laughs> You're tired. 
you're caught up, you've got two kids, you're out of surgery, you're a busy <laughs> nurse earning a lot of money, <laughs> and you pine for a simpler time, you know, a time before social media, a time when you could just jump with a skip it, jump with elastics, do jump jam, and be a child. That's why you come to my gym. Entirely 1990s themes, activities, music, and costume encouraged for $90 a month. What do you think? I think it's brilliant. (gasps) The only thing I would say is that if you're talking to Josie and she's a mother with two children and it's jump-based, once you have babies, it's hard to jump. Pelvic floor issues. Yep. So you'd have an you'd have an on site okay. you'd have an on site like um, so I'll partner surgeon. with a um, yeah. you know a brand not necessarily a surgeon. <laughs> 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 it's just Josie. I mean Josie's got her own surgery <laughs> Pro bono. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can get pelvic floor specialists. You know. I would join your room. gym. Wow. Yeah. I would also join your gym. Wow. Is it just for women? No. Okay. See you there. Uh, Come on, Dan. I will join your gym. Come on, Dan. Tina. We can do jump jam, elastics. There'll be a, like a jungle gym. Oh, and you can bring your kids. Crash. There's the crash. Or like mini, mini. The you gym know, is they the crash. Kids sessions, like the Musketeers exercise. <gasps> yes. Okay. Well, we're all in. Okay. You're that's in. my favorite is one that so it? far. Okay. You're, at four, <laughs> you're, you're already turning over three hundred and sixty dollars. No, Tina. And four hundred fifty dollars a month. How much? Wow. I mean, that's almost rent on a really tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny, <laughs> tiny little single desk at a um, yeah co-working space. But, you know, you start somewhere. Great. Okay. Shall I go next? Yeah. I don't have a lovely pitch like Alex does. I've just got a good idea. So. <laughs> then the I'd like to wow. say, I'll say hers wasn't a good idea. I'm just saying mine is also a good idea. The two things can both be true. Okay. So. We've got busy lives. We're all a bit Josie, aren't we? We're all a little bit Josie. <laughs> That's the hashtag today. And I know now that I've got three children, I'm already daydreaming about a time where they're not in the house anymore. And I'm looking forward to retirement at the ripe old age of 42. I can't wait to retire. And I don't want to just like retire and downsize into an apartment. I want to go to a retirement village. I want to have a social life. I want to be in the games room. I want to be playing bingo. I want to learn all those other card games bridge and all those things with a bunch of like-minded people but I want that now while my body's still functioning while I'm still on this earth while I've still got years left in me so I'm thinking retirement villages for the not yet retired (laughs) communal spaces that aren't just like a co-housing project but have dances on a Wednesday night movies in the fun room Roast at 5pm. Roast at 5pm every night with Yorkshire pudding. (laughs) And enjoy all the spoils that we work so hard all our lives for, but when we can actually enjoy them properly. Where do the children go? What children? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, boarding boarding school. (laughs) It comes with a boarding school package. We can partner up with a boarding school uh, and we never have to look after them except on weekends and school holidays. Tell me your price. My price? Really? You want to know a price? <laughs> that seems like unnecessary information. I mean, how much do you pay for freedom, hey? How much do you pay to know you've lived this a This is a real apprentice pitch. Okay. <laughs> the price is $1,000 per person per week. But you're Josie. You're earning a lot of money. You're at the top echelon you're of the earning. Top echelon. Okay. You're getting a free okay. roast dinner every night. I like the idea of it. 
Thank you. I like the idea. I know I need some work, but this is just top it's a gr- It's a great idea. Thank it's a you. good start. Who's with me? Who's coming? To it's, the... it's all inclusive, right? It's all inclusive. All the road you're putting. As many children as you want to boarding school no, th- oh. for $1,000 a week. No, no. The, the boarding school is an extra. Oh. Extra pick. Oh, you're out? No, no, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Of course I'm in. <laughs> Tina's in. We're all in. We're all in. Great. I mean, there's a 90s gym just around the corner. It's amazing. <laughs> Kids there. What do you got, Dunk? All right, um, mine's unfortunately kind of serious, um, <laughs> but because I, 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 it's just, I just think about this all the time. It's it's incredibly boring. Apologies in advance. Basically, you're at you're at your old people's home. Um, you've <laughs> got you this. You've got sorry. this bang m- bang pod <laughs> from uh, going to the 90s gym the whole time. Uh, you know, your your young old people's home. But every so often, you tire of your 5 p.m. Um, Yorkshire pod. Uh, and and you want to go out somewhere else. There is a huge amount of amenity captured uh, in the value of Auckland house prices from having a great local restaurant and bar that isn't seen um, through the cash register of those uh, businesses. So which is why that hospitality is low paying and why they're always folding and going under. And when that happens, everyone in the neighbourhood loses. But when they've got a great bar or restaurant, you're probably getting uh, some kind of you know, five to six figure premium on your house by having some proximity to those venues. I'm proposing basically a gym membership, but for restaurants and bars, where you pay a set price for, it's a relatively low price, but enough people do it, you get access to, like maybe it's an exclusive meal, maybe it's a preferential booking on a table, maybe it's a a cocktail that no one else can get. Maybe it's a certain night of the month, which is just for your members, but it helps keep them in business, helps them be able to pay their staff properly, and just mainly means that, you know, you can have COVID-19 happen, you could have kids Mm. and be out of the going out um, period. Not everyone's going to be able to afford this, but enough people participate in it, then they get to keep that business in business, share the um, gains of it, and uh, everyone wins. I feel like this exists in the state. (laughs) Well, Something like it. No, I think it's beautiful. It's brilliant. And I think it's probably necessary, especially in a culture where there's not a, a tipping culture. So in the States, with the tipping culture, then at least folks can stay up above kind of po- poverty line. But wow, you've just hit me right in the feels. I'm a little <laughs> wow. bit hungry now. Yeah. So you go to the gym, you work yeah. out, you go back to your old, young person's old place, <laughs> and you have your fun, and then you support your local community. It's a whole joined up ecosystem of yeah. real, real pod ink <laughs> ventures. Cinematic universe. <laughs> I, I hate to challenge you, but I just one question from a sort of a when the facts change point of view. Mm. Are you suggesting something that during a housing crisis will drive up the value of property? No, it ensures that the value of property uh, is not just captured by the homeowners, but is also with working people and the businesses surrounding them, particularly in the hospitality trade, notoriously the hardest in New Zealand to work in. Be a politician. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little eyebrow raise there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Duncan Grieve against Max Key, 2044. I'll be wow. a thousand years old, <laughs> but I'll be <laughs> living in a great home and going to a great gym. Um, Cassie, do you have any other tidbits you're dying to share with us about the show? Dying to share. Or anything that we've talked about in the pod that we've just got extremely mm. badly wrong that you want to have us up about. Or, or advice no. for us as a real pod, no. um, a struggling local independent business. The real pod. I think the real pod, just stay authentic. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're just struggle quiet. to do anything but. <laughs> I think that's why I love listening to you every week. Like I actually refresh every <gasps> week to see when I can listen. And then I kind of record the little snippets and I put it in my stories. <gasps> and 
Because you you actually have like real conversations. Strange is called the real part. <laughs> uh, but like it's quite refreshing to get the piss taken out of you by people who seem like really nice people. Um, we are not taking the piss out of you. <laughs> no. We are not. The contestants mostly. But again, we have this kind of like disclaimer that it's all about what we're showing on screen. Mm, you know, yeah. it's not actually yeah. about. It's not your personality. Yeah. I go to their Instagram profiles and I'm like, I love you. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> Steven standing in the waterfall with his shirt off is like something I've never seen before. <laughs> Those eyes. That's, I they are wild eyes. eyes. Yeah. The deep. Yeah. The deep. Yeah. We can't. Talk we can't about talk about the deep, deep anymore. Doesn't take that out. What? What's wrong with that? I don't. No, I just I don't know. It feels like we're objectifying. We're objectifying. Don't do that. But isn't he? Isn't that consent based? I feel like he doesn't put that on show if he does not want to be objectified. Yeah, well, D'Angelo's got some competition. Oh, wow! He sure do. Speaking of ninety cameras, <laughs> there we go. No, I think just keep watching. As you noticed a little bit earlier, JT's starting to really kind of hit his stride and get quite comfortable in front of the camera. And I think my hard ass nature is going to be called into question when my makeup we find out is not waterproof. So there's one. Who do you think I weep over when they leave? Who? And oh, wait, who's the first person I weep over? (gasps) Whoa! Because let me put it out there the director was like, we have never seen someone cry that much. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, because it becomes, you get to know them so well, even though we're not talking like this. You get to know them and a little bit about their lives and what kind of people they are. So as we get further into this show, it becomes more and more real. It is their heart and soul on the line. And so when they leave, it is not an easy conversation. And we had lots of roundtables, JT and Mike and I, going, this is who we think should go. And we did not always agree. I feel like I'm probably going to weep when you walk out the door today. <laughs> I feel like we've gotten to know you and it's been such a pleasure. It's Really amazing to have people who we're talking about on the podcast actually listen to it and be happy about it. Be angry (laughs) with us and to share it. And so, like, that's, you know, we're so grateful and hugely appreciate your time. I mean, you know, I have a giant crush on Duncan. We know that. Yeah. Oh, no. He's going to make that very clear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Could you. Could you fire us to end the podcast? I feel like that's weird, right? Is that that (laughs) appropriation of Mike's? What about you're hired? That's even better. Yes. So we have friends over every Monday at our house, to like different groups of friends to watch. And every week my daughter's like, mom, when they walk in, just say they're fired. And I'm like, I can't. I can't. Just like I can't say the other fellow's name who used to be the CEO in America. I can't do those things, but I I can say you're hired. Okay. All right. All three of you. You're hired. Thank you so much, Cassie. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you, Alex and Duncan. Thank you, Tina, for recording. This has been a a spin-off special of The Real Pod with Cassie Roma from The Apprentice Aotearoa. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora e te iwi, te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. 
If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.